right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Greta Gerwig's Barbie, which was part of this crazy, amazing weekend of movies that we just had between Barbie and Oppenheimer, the Barbenheimer weekend. Of course, we just covered Oppenheimer with a live show. And now we're talking Barbie. And joining me, returning to the show, is Tara Giancaspro. And along with her, we also have, for the first time on the podcast, my wife, Gina Mazzoni. I'm so happy to have her on the show. We had a great conversation, the three of us. We get into a lot of really great puzzle pieces and had a really fun time talking about this really fun movie. Before we get into it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Also, I got to let you know that we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. So check it out. It's patreon.com slash Rosen if you want to support the show in that way. I do appreciate it. But of course, I'm also really just happy to have you out there listening. So let's get into our conversation about Barbie. All right, it's time to talk about Barbie, and joining me, we've got back on the podcast, Tara Giancaspro and my wife, Gina Mazzoni. Tara, how's it going? Hi, uh, I'm very excited. I think you said this is Gina's first time, so this is a wonderful thing. Welcome. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried I might have to play therapist a little bit, depending on any conflicting tastes in movies or who stole whose picks, but <laughs> I feel ready. I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty demanding armchair therapist. I think I force that on people, whether they like it or not. So <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, we, we can, we can use it. It's uh, th this is a movie with wildly varying takes, although I have a feeling we all loved it, but yeah. uh, Gina, introduce yourself to my yeah. listeners. Hi, I'm Gina and I, uh, I played with Barbie. I was a Barbie holic when I was a kid. I, I uh, spent the 90s playing with Barbie in my bedroom and uh, drawing little pictures and bringing my Barbie stories to life and keeping Ken out of the loop for the most part. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I was really excited about the Barbie movie and um, I just couldn't resist being a guest on this episode. Absolutely. I I'm so happy to, uh, to have you on this one and I'm happy to have Tara back on the show. Uh, last time we did Renfield, which... Uh, Nicholas Cage, uh, kind of a, a Ken energy, I feel like a little oh, bit, you it. know, 10,000 percent. Yeah. I would trust him with any of the including Will Ferrell's role in this. Although, as Matt and I looked at each other and said at exactly the same time, this is exactly why you cast Will Ferrell. Right. Yeah. It, he's like he hasn't done anything good in a while. And he was so much fun in this role. It's like exactly the kind of just bumbling, ridiculous idiot at yes. the top kind of role that you want from him hearkening back to Anchorman or exactly. something like that. Exactly, yeah. We should talk real quick and then we'll get into puzzle pieces. Um, you know, Gina was just talking about her experience with Barbie. Uh, how about your experience with Barbie? Are you a Barbie fan growing yeah, up? So uh, I was born in 91. So Barbie was definitely happening during the 90s. I had many Barbies. I had at least one Teresa, which was great because, you know, like brunette representation. I don't know what Teresa's mm -hmm. thing is supposed to be. I was just pretending as a child that she was, you know, a fellow Italo Jew. Um, so that was that was <laughs> Teresa's thing when it wasn't like the Fran Fine Barbie that you could actually get a Jew. Mm. But um, I also had a lot of like hand-me-downs from my cousins. So I had played with the 90210 Barbies. I definitely had an earring magic Ken. I know, I, like I screamed when I saw it in the movie. I was like, wait, I remember him. I had that. There was an Easter eggs galore in oh, this movie, I imagine. Yeah. Like obviously I, I wasn't a Barbie guy necessarily, but like I could tell like this is like Easter egg oh, after yeah. Easter egg. And I know you were like recognizing oh, things all over the place. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they did an amazing job. They yeah. Did. Yeah. And, and then, then they even just started throwing them in there. Just like, boom, they would just fly out of the room and just like, hey, we're just going to show you some stuff. Which now. Was, I was totally fine with that because they didn't really do like a, a fashion montage or something in the way that you would have expected i would have assumed that there was a lot more attention paid to clothes and you would have seen like the clueless closet with you know these revolving looks or like barbie through the years and you did see some of like the classic black and white bathing suit but i i was kind of surprised at the lack of 
like a Bob Mackie sequence of looks. Mm. I was big on the Barbie computer games. I don't know if that was part of Gina's experience, but no, I I was a Sims girl. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) Very similar in in tone, I imagine. I had every Barbie computer game. I had the Barbie fashion designer, which you could print out the clothes and put them on a Barbie. So like, let's say if there was a skirt, you could print it on a specific, very thin material, and then you could cut out the skirt and it would be along the measurements of a Barbie. Um, I had the Barbie makeover one. I had the Barbie nail salon. I had Detective Barbie, which was so much fun. I had the Barbie like adventurer video game. I actually had all of the Barbie games. Yeah. God, I wish I could go back in time and play Barbies with you. I mean, you have an enviable collection. We don't have to go back in time. We can just roll up. Someone can oh, someone can send us a true. torrent of like Barbie Detective, and we could get viruses on our computer, but try to play this damn game together. Yes. So, yeah, I'm down for it. Come on over. Awesome. This sounds like a great post podcast uh, activity for us all. But <laughs> let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. Gina, it's your first time on the show. Let's start with you. What do you have for your first puzzle piece? Well, I'm going to go with a really cheesy and obvious and probably not the most perfect piece, but I just can't resist here because of all the pink and the bubbly blonde who happens to be smart. I'm going to go with Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think in a lot of ways until like this weekend that's the closest there's been to like a barbie movie Mm -hmm. is that like an accurate statement i i mean i think so i actually did not have legally blonde on my list which is surprising because my barbie premiere look was inspired by l woods and i will make sure i send you both that gina i think i think you'll love it if you love legally blonde awesome it's it's very similar to a dress l wears but yeah in a way i mean it it's it does sort of reflect the Barbie experience, Elle's experience. Yes. And a girl, you know, a woman being able to do whatever she wants. I mean, she goes to freaking, it's Harvard, right? And yeah. yeah. You got into able Harvard to, Law. Like, yeah, it's Harvard. Yeah. Like she, and she makes her, she realizes her dreams. Yeah. She lives in this perfect world. Well, it's not a perfect world. Her world is more realistic than Barbie's world was, but she's able to, you know, do the impossible. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think like, you know, we're going to jump around the movie, obviously, like we always do on this podcast, but like coming down like to the ending and like the, the main theme of it all, once it all like kind of comes together is like, you know, being okay with who you are and and what you can accomplish, which is basically anything if you, you know, if you find yourself and if you are, you know, real with who you are and that that's like kind of like the big climax of the film. And that is such a big part of, you know, the story there with Legally Blonde. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a great one to kick it off with. Tara, let's go to your first piece. Sure. Uh, this might be, this might steal one of yours. Sorry, I feel guilty about okay. this. Um, to me, very obviously, Josie and the Pussycats. Nice. You know what? I, I, it's been a long time since I've watched it. But Years ago. I, I retract my statement. There are two potentially... Barbie movies before this weekend because that would be another one right yeah. there. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that one, but that's perfect. Now you it. two need to go watch it tonight. And it, yeah, yeah, yeah it's been it forever. And it's awesome. Uh, yeah, first of all, if anyone here was like, oh, yes, you mentioned Josie, uh, my friend Russ Burlingame put out an oral history of the making of the Josie and the Pussycats movie. So, that's oh, something wow. that if you really love the movie and didn't know that there was a book about the making of, they do interview a lot of the cast and they interview a lot of the folks at Archie Comics, which is just really, really great. And they interview Kay Hanley and a lot of the folks behind the soundtrack. But Josie, to me, was a very obvious choice because it was adapting an IP uh, and mm-hmm. where Josie didn't have to at all acknowledge you know, this being a corporate thing as opposed to just an original idea, like someone writing Interstellar or whatever. Um, they really, really made a great, great satire of consumerist economy and sure. forced uh, forced conformity from a capitalist yeah. perspective. And I mean, Josie is musical. It's vibrant. It has a gorgeous aesthetic. There are some fun little cameos in Josie. Uh, the villain is very silly. You know, you have Will Ferrell and you have Parker Posey and Alan Cumming. And it's it's hopeful and it's empowering. And every time I have watched Josie, which I watched it maybe a week ago, 
I just smile and I just sit there and I'm like, these girls are really special and they fight the man and they stay friends. And it's just a beautiful movie. I'm also obsessed with Josie. So I probably compare everything to Josie negatively or positively. <laughs> like I flew to Los Angeles in 2017 to go to the 15th anniversary Josie party at the Ace wow. in Los Angeles. Uh and I got to see Kay Hanley perform those songs. And I held several of my girlfriends around me and we cried because we never thought we were going to get to go to a Josie concert. But Aww. if folks at home have not seen Josie and the Pussycats, you're probably thinking, oh, this like 2000s movie, really? Like, and it's girly and whatever. And well, I would kind of hope those folks aren't listening to your podcast. Yeah, you, I, I hope so. You are not the type who's like, oh, girl movie. No, thank you. I know that about you, David. Mm -hmm. But Josie <laughs> is such a biting commentary on capitalism. Everything is deliberately tiled with, you know, the, the jet in the beginning has all the Target logos inside. Ads a, and all everywhere. There's a hotel bathroom yeah. that has, you know, the McDonald's logo. And yeah, the movie got product placement. But to make fun of if not the products specifically, the way that products are used, the way that we are sold things constantly. I don't want to give away the, you know, the big reveal of the movie, but it is all about capitalism and consumerism. And it doesn't, you know, as much as Josie, like there were toys sold, there were clothes sold, DVDs and tapes were sold. It still did the balance the right way. And I think Barbie did too. I, mm -hmm. there were parts of me that wanted to go kind of buy Barbie stuff and I bought a couple of little Barbie items, but mm -hmm. it got you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that they hit a fine balance of allowing people to be nostalgic about this thing that they grew up with, like Gina and I growing up with Barbies and not thinking as much about, oh, we have to be thin, but just like picturing us playing with our moms or getting a new Barbie yeah. toy at Christmas. Like, I think we're allowed to have that. I think we're allowed to have that emotional yeah. attachment. Um, and then, you know, Greta very brilliantly tied it to larger things. Mothers and daughters, aging, rejecting societal demand. Um, Josie to me feels similar. It was something where the original comic was, you know, these girls in a band and sometimes they solve mysteries or go to space. And the movie made it about standing firm in your values and, you know, choosing your friends over everything else that can come in your way, whether it's boys or business or just, you know, the paths of life. But I yeah. really think that Greta did a brilliant job making this movie meaningful while still openly admitting that this is IP. Mattel was involved. This is going to be used yeah. to sell things. She like she didn't pretend, yeah. but she made something really beautiful anyway. Exactly. And it's a hard thing to, uh, when you're dealing with a character as famous as Barbie, it's a hard thing to like kind of get around. But, you know, th that's a good segue into my first puzzle piece, which uh, you guys both brought in like these classic female characters. I'm going with like a big explosion action Ooh. movie uh, epic kind of thing here. But, uh, I'm going with the Matrix Resurrections for my first puzzle oh piece. Oh my god! Uh, which okay, <laughs> I don't know. I know Gina okay. hasn't seen it. Have you watched this, Tara? Uh, which one is Matrix Resurrections? Is that the this is the most recent I have one? Not... Uh, That's the one that like my like number one daddy Yaya Abdul Mateen the second is. Yes, in, right? he plays Morpheus. So here's the thing: I don't want to give away too much about like the overall plot of the movie since you guys haven't seen it. But essentially, it is super super meta and. It, th this is all kind of on the surface here, but Warner Brothers wants the creator of The Matrix to make a sequel in the okay. movie, The Matrix Resurrections, and Neo has to deal with that. And so the fact that Warner Brothers allowed the Wachowski sisters to make that movie and make fun of Warner Brothers and their drive for IP and sequels and, you know, just milking things as much as they can... And then Warner Brothers allowed Greta Gerwig to joke around with the whole Mattel name this whole time and Warner Brothers and everything. Uh, I, I really am shocked that this happened twice in a few years. It just seems like something you would never expect to happen. And so while they're both very, very different movies, the fact that they get that meta and that weird and that like mixing the real world with the world of the movies and of the IP 
Uh, that's why I had to go with Matrix Resurrections for my first one. I love that. Can I ask, uh, I don't want to spoil who it is, if anything, but you said part of the movie is that they want the creator of, wait, they want the creator of The Matrix or The, Ma or the Matrix the, films? So in the world of The Matrix Resurrections, The Matrix films, the three that we've all seen and love, well, we yes. love the first one, not the second and third, but uh, yes. <laughs> they are actually video games made <laughs> by the real Neo when he was still in the real world. So if you remember, he's a coder in the first movie. So he went on to make video games called The Matrix, and they want him to make a sequel to the video game The Matrix. And then he starts kind of connecting with Neo, the character from the movies. And it, it's, it's bizarre. And I can't believe they let them spend $200 million on that movie. Are there two Keanu's? Uh, kind of. <laughs> that's what I that's what I was I mean yeah I, I I guess I would watch it but I that's what I was curious about like who are they saying the creator of the matrix IP in this is but okay yeah. I'm now I'm interested by your kind of so now I want to watch yeah. it yeah it, it it's bizarre I love it not everybody was in but a lot of people thought like oh come on it's just IP on top of IP on top of IP it is just absolutely crazy and meta and weird and fun and awesome and uh, yeah I totally recommend it but Gina, let's go to your next piece. Okay, um, so I have Pinocchio. Oh, sure. Because it is a toy or a puppet, but a toy that wants to be a real boy and he becomes a real boy at the end of the movie. And Barbie, you know, she doesn't want to be a real human like in the very beginning of the movie, but by the end of the movie, she does want to. And she's already kind of becoming one by having these weird feelings, these depressed feelings. Yeah. And um, Ruth Handler, the creator of Barbie, would be the blue fairy. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. That and it's it, her journey to wanting that because, yeah, she doesn't want it in the beginning. Like there's no part of her that wants to be a human from the beginning of the story. But mm -hmm. the fact that by the end she is starting to accept those those things that make people human. And so now she kind of wants to experience that herself yes. and i think it leads to like a perfect ending there and at the end of pinocchio of course he says i'm here to see the gynecologist yes of just course just kidding that's that exactly, didn't happen that's exactly how it <laughs> but that would have been great <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. can i ask you can i ask you a question because i'm curious I, this is a uh -huh. scene obviously i've been thinking about a lot when barbie goes and sits at the bus stop and she sees Anne roth who's a famous costume oh, designer yeah. who did the birdcage and she did the talented Mr. Ripley and she looks at this woman who is much older and says you were so beautiful why do you think Greta put that in what did that say to you uh, I, I also for the listeners Warner Brothers wanted to remove this scene they didn't feel like it had value or maybe they thought it was going to affect the pacing and Greta Gerwig fought to keep it in so if it was something that meant a lot to you uh, thank Greta but yeah, Gina, I would love to know what you, th and, and David, you too, yeah. like what that said to you. So when I watched that scene, it of course pulled at the heartstrings and I just saw, saw it as like, she's saying that, you know, a woman, as she gets older, she becomes more beautiful. Like she becomes more real. She, she's, um, you're still beautiful even when you're aging. Um, it was kind of. But then I had actually read an article about that um, and it said something like Greta was going for like basically the women who played with Barbie and they have fond memories of Barbie and they're getting older and it was kind of like kind of like a shout out to them, something like that. I think that basically. makes sense. Yeah, I think both of those yeah. things make sense. And then yeah. I, I would throw in uh, an, another thing that kind of what I took from it, because in that scene, like she has just been witnessing all of the awfulness of the real world, you know? Mm -hmm. And in that moment, she's witnessing a, a small little glimpse of the beautifulness of yes, the real world. Yes. And so th that was what I got out of that scene. And you know what? Actually, can I just, that reminds me of a little puzzle piece. Actually, Hook, the movie Hook, Wendy, when she's older. That reminds oh, me of I the old that. Wendy. Yeah, I oh, just Gina, thought you're... of that when you brought it yeah. up. Well, and the Pinocchio is is perfect because it's these Disney type entities. But yeah, <laughs> oh, I love that your your ideas have been so unexpected. But like, uh, like obvious, not in a way it's like duh, but like I should have thought of these. And you're just like, oh, obviously Pinocchio. Yeah. And I'm like, 
yeah, I'm so fucking stupid. Obviously, Pinocchio, you're right. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm like, I, no, I just, I'm like shocked that I didn't think of these, but you're like, you're picking up on the ones that, yeah, really feel like tenants of the movie. Um, I'm very impressed, especially this being your first appearance. I'm like, shit, okay. All right, Gina. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying about Hook because, you know, you you do have a lot of films where women talk about aging or women talk about beauty, but the the beauty of growing older isn't touched on you know maybe in trite ways and like in the book club movies or you know these movies that are like okay we're gonna get Jane Fonda and talk about being older but it's not aging they're already a Jed and they let go of a lot of these things so yeah you're right about Hook I I really love that and Barbie in her world in Barbie's world there isn't any aging I don't think there's any old Barbies are there no probably so maybe that not. could also be like she saw an older woman for the first time and that's like, a really wow, good point you're beautiful that's a really good point i hadn't thought about that at I all think, but i i love that that's a really good point. i think i had assumed and i have a couple of ideas of what it could be and it could very easily be a number of them but mm-hmm. one was her sitting and after she's freaking out about her cellulite and her flat feet she's looking at this woman and going oh yeah, I think she's beautiful. Why don't I see myself as beautiful in my imperfections? So in that way, I see it as a catalyst Mm, moment that awakens her later desire to explore humanity more and more and more. Um, You know, because I think that she, when we see her go inside and she's trying to access her human that's been playing with her, she does see things and she sees aging over time. She sees Sasha go from being a little girl to being a teenager. Um, so I thought in one way there's that. I also thought maybe it was as much as women's beauty standards have always been around. Obviously, they've always been catered towards thinness and whiteness and being able-bodied and sort of Aryan. Um I, I was gonna say waspy. This, <laughs> yes. I like that this older woman and you know, and I'm guessing Anne Roth, she might be, she might be Jewish. Um she's a woman who's like, yeah, I know it. Cause that's the thing. It's not just like, you're beautiful. And it's like, Oh no, I'm not. She says you're beautiful. And, and Anne Roth responds. I know it. I'm wondering if she's saying that like, Hey, you young girls watching this movie or you girls in your twenties and thirties, even y- over time, you'll give less of a fuck about all of this. Yes. And mm. Hey, you know, now this woman who is, has wrinkles and white hair and is hunched over she's given up on caring what men will look at her for or will a man check me out or will a man be interested or even will a woman be interested? I, the, uh, Barbie saying you're beautiful to me was Barbie's catalytic moment of realization. And then Anne Roth saying, I know it was, Hey, like a message to the audience of like, listen, you're probably going to get here. I hope you do. I hope that you yeah. over time give less of a shit and reject more and more of this demand. Um, so I, I really loved that scene and I'm still kind of not sure exactly what was being said. I just know that I loved it and I yeah. like the interpretations I took from it because they meant something to me and, and they spoke to Bye. me. I love your analysis. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think all around the table here, like there's a lot of really interesting kind of points of view on it and they all kind of tie together like really well. So it's a powerful movie. It really is. It absolutely it is. is, but let's go to another puzzle piece. Uh, Tara, what do you have next? Uh, my next is spice world. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Gina, are we like similar in age? Um, I'm, I'm going to be 40 in November. Okay. Oh, so you- I thought you were close to my age. Okay, whatever the whatever the facial care routine is doing, it's it's doing. Keep doing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Spice World. Have you both seen Spice World? I have. I have. And when I didn't think about that one originally, but when you brought up Josie and the Pussycats, I I thought about Spice Girls, and yeah. that's like perfect. I love it. I actually don't think I ever saw Spice World. Um, <gasps> oh, David, I you have to see it. Big know. cinematic blind I spot. Know. I know. Oh, it's so good. Um, the comparisons for me with Spice World are you're taking something that is 
a money grab. We can all admit that it's a money grab. And they took this girl band. None of them were trained actors and they made a movie. But instead of just making a nothing burger movie, they made something really interesting. It's extremely meta. Uh, you kind of discover the framing device later on where you're like, oh, it's catching up to it. Um, really fun, <laughs> campy cameos. Um, Meatloaf has a minor role as the bus driver, Dennis. Uh, so you're just like, nice. oh, Meatloaf is here. And he's the bus driver. Um, Roger Moore is in it. George Went is in it. Like people that are not, that they they weren't casting David Hasselhoff, who would have been like a good 90s right. casting pick. Uh, and it's also very British in that you have Richard E. Grant and Alan Cumming. So they didn't go American, which... I mean, a lot of the girl bands and boy bands of the 90s were American. You had your, you know, you had your Girls Aloud and what was it, like the Saturdays and all those bands in the UK and like BB Mac, but they could have gone American. Like the Spice Girls come to Los Angeles and it's like a Crocodile Dundee kind of story, but they didn't do that. They kept it in England and they really like had characters with british access it wasn't just oh everyone's american around you um but yeah i mean amazing movie incredibly incredibly meta stupid like very christopher guest inspired like it's it's not far off from spinal tap it really yeah. isn't wow. and it's again it's just silly there are moments where like they're standing in an office and there's a tense conversation and you just see rain start pouring down and it's sort of like an acknowledged thing that happens. To me, it's a perfect movie. Obviously, I grew up with it. I might have even seen it in theaters, but it really does fit the, hey, we're doing a cash grab, but we're elevating this so much. It's meta. It's campy. It revolves around women empowerment. It, you know, revolves around being yourself because the Spice Girls have to decide, like, what's what's true to them? Do we want a break yeah. from the touring? Do we not? Do, you know, are we, are we crashing towards a breakup, you know? And what is our future going to look like? Are we going to be these, like you know, moms who send their kids off to boarding school and they have all these not like not real flash forwards, but just like little dream sequence moments. Dreams, um, and yeah. they're really trying to find themselves. But it's truly, David, I want you to text me like as you're watching this movie one day. It is so <laughs> unexpected. I have not even given you like five of the cameos that I'm thinking about where you're just like, how did they get this person? Why did they get this person? Do the Spice Girls even know who this is? And also, like, Good why question, are aliens yeah. here? Literally, why Ooh. are aliens here is a great question when you're <laughs> thinking about a Spice Girls movie. And I hope that the mention of aliens got anyone at home who is not, like, oh, sold you, on you this so movie You yet. sold it. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching this movie very soon. And, and by the way, Cash Grab, but Elevated, uh, definitely kind of ties it back to what they did with Matrix Resurrections. So, uh, you know, that, okay. that is another way that I would describe that. So, uh yeah, great, great one. I, I love that. Definitely looking forward to checking that out one of these days. I'm going to go to one of my favorite movies of all time for my next puzzle piece, uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, wow. Okay. So yeah. the, th the thing is with Ken's journey, uh, <laughs> Ken is just this total kind of goof dork who is pushed to the side a little bit too much by Barbie and ends up getting radicalized. and. I was thinking back to Michael Showalter in uh, Wet Hot American Summer, learning the new way from Gene, the chef, and uh, how he learns to be like this cool kind of douchebag with the hair and like, it only lasts for like one scene and then boom, it's over with and he's back to being a dork. But, you know, that, that kind of uh, trajectory of him going from being uh, a, a loser to being this thinks he's cool kind of loser still to being back to that. That reminded me so much of how Michael Showalter was in Wet Hot American Summer. You could also point to a lot of like the very ridiculous, irreverent humor. Will Ferrell and his like CEO goons when they're like chasing after Barbie and like they can't get over the turnstile. That was 
very reminiscent of uh, Ken Marino uh, being chased by Joe Latrulio mm-hmm. in the in the forest, and he can't jump over the one little bale of hay that's in the middle of the road. Yes. Um, very just ridiculous humor like that. Also with like the big, huge ensemble cast of hilarious people just getting to do just totally ridiculous things. Totally. Um, you know, you kind of also have that kind of connection to to the way that these two movies were made. And then, of course, of course, you got Paul Rudd, who's like a total douchebag, like when Ken. Paul Rudd is the best. And seriously, if Paul Rudd wasn't like stuck in Marvel land right now, he would be so good in this movie. Oh, he would have been an excellent Ken, whether primary Ken or one of the other Kens. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would have loved to see him in here. Uh, but yeah, let's go on to another piece. Gina, what do you got next? Okay, so I've got Mafia Mama. <laughs> oh my um, God. Because we we are big Mafia Mama fans. I in this still household. haven't seen it yet. I want to. Oh, I don't want to ruin it for you. You can ruin it for me. It's fine. <laughs> Shit. Well, basically, it doesn't have that traditional happily ever after. You know, the protagonist uh, goes off into the sunset with the man and lives happily ever after. Like she doesn't need a man. Mm-hmm. She is happy like by herself, and I love that. And like, yeah. That's and that, great. And that's Barbie. Barbie did not need Ken. Barbie, you know. Yeah. Bar- Barbie goes to the gynecologist. <laughs> that, that's it. Barbie just gets this new experience. She gets to live her new experience. And that's basically uh, that's basically her ending for the film. And uh, yeah, that's great. I, I love that. Two movies that definitely kind of have a, a non-Hollywood traditional ending in that mm-hmm. way. So I love that. And yeah, I definitely recommend Mafia Mama. Critics hated it, but uh, I think you'll like it, Tara. We love it. Oh, it's something, yeah, Matt and I will definitely be watching that one at some point. Everyone, Mafia Mama, (laughs) watch it. Tara, what do you have for your next piece? Uh, You're going to, you're going to like scream and pass out, but (laughs) Gremlins 2. Gremlins Ah! 2. So we actually just watched (laughs) Gremlins on our vacation. Um, I haven't seen Gremlins 2 since I was a kid. But I, I feel like I know exactly where you're coming from because I've heard just how insane that movie is and how like meta and weird yeah, it is. Yeah, like you're you're talking about gross out moments and Mafia Mama, and I'm like, I have goddamn Gremlins too. Like, it, which is, you know, obviously these gross out moments of Gremlins and blenders and they're getting water on them and these disgusting little baby Gremlins pop off their backs. But um. <laughs> My friend Mike Duquette writes a blog called Hollywood and Spine, and it's all about movie novelizations. And Mm -hmm. I happened to read one of his about Gremlins 2, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, what is this movie? I had seen the first Gremlins. I know the story. I love Phoebe Cates. As I say, I'm a red-blooded American man. What other choice do I have? (laughs) um, I mean, everybody, straight, gay, whatever the hell loves Phoebe Cates. Oh, yeah. I think it's the only part of Drop Dead Fred that we can all agree on is like Phoebe Cates bangs be banging, you know. But uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kevin Klein is one lucky son of a bitch. But anyway, uh, so I was like, okay, I know the first Gremlins. This And it kind of makes sense. It's not like a crazy concept. It's like, okay, these little guys come around. You could say E.T. is the same thing. Oh, there's a little guy and he's nice and people are trying to find him. Whatever. Gremlins 2, bonkers. The novelization seems bonkers. They both, uh, the novel does it in a different way than the movie, but they both get interrupted halfway through the movie and there is a meta- fourth wall break to the audience in the movie it is done by a massive 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 celebrity one who is not aged well but you're like oh (laughs) it's yeah it's that guy okay yeah he's talking to us and like telling us about what's going on here in the book apparently the gremlins tie up the author and there's a brainy gremlin and he is the one addressing the audience or the reader talking about the gremlins ethos and like political and social value structure. And the writer of the novel is tied up in the corner while the gremlins are wreaking havoc on his office. And that's how they chose to do it in the book. In the movie, they chose to do it with this big celebrity cameo. I'm just such a sucker for meta stuff like that. Like, I just think it's so great. Um, The movie is really fun. There is a, 
Trump type character. Like it's it's mostly set in this one building, which is like Trump Tower. There are all these different businesses inside. Something very interesting is that the the fake Trump, um, I think his last name is Clamp in the movie. It's it's yeah, I think it's Clamp. So it's you know it's similar, but he's actually quite nice, and he's <laughs> just sort of surrounded by jerks. Like the people around him are henchmen, but he's not really a villain. He actually wants to like pay attention to specific employees and shout out good work that people are doing. And he's like, mm. I don't I don't like that we're doing this. Um, he is selling things like in the way that Trump has stakes in the Trump University. <clears throat> they do have yeah. jam. Uh, that's one of the things they mentioned. They're like, our boss has a number of real estate portfolios, blah, 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 and a popular line of jams and jellies. And you're just like, oh, nice. okay. <laughs> and I don't know if they needed to reach out to Trump to get his approval to do something like this, or they filmed part of it in Trump Tower. From what I've heard, if Trump allows you to film a movie on one of his properties, he has to be offered some kind of role in it. Like, that, that tracks. like, like yeah. in his Home Alone cameo. But yeah. <laughs> Gremlins 2, extremely meta, uh, extremely chaotic. In in plot, no, there's not much similarity to Barbie except that you're like rooting for your little friend. But since you brought this yes. up, I'm gonna say I wasn't gonna officially bring up this puzzle piece, but I would but I guess I will now. The January 6th insurrection. <laughs> like the Kendalls, all the Kendalls, yes. like reminded me totally of the January 6th. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think that was as as Matt said when we were watching this, Pen <laughs> Surrection. Yeah, I think that yeah. was very, Oh, I love oh, that. That was I want a t-shirt. I want a t-shirt. Yeah, right that's now. Great. In the Barbie font. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was deliberate. I think they very smartly didn't fully go there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the tenets of masculinity, our audience really loved, like I could tell, um, like horses and the Sylvester Stallone fur coats, mm -hmm. I thought was really sure. funny. Um, I got very excited when I saw my, you know, as I always say, my my biological mother is Fran Drescher, but my biological father oh. is John Travolta. So they had the one little second of grease lightning, and I was like, this is my yes. movie. Like, I was so excited. But yeah, they picked these really fun choices for what being a man is or what being the patriarchy is about. Yes. And they all, you know, patriarchy starts to infect Barbie land, um, but they didn't do anything too violent. I think that knowing that we're watching this movie and they they knew who was going to be coming to see this movie. They knew yeah, it was a more yeah. liberal audience. They knew it was a lot yeah. of women and a lot of people who identify as feminists. Uh, they probably did not want to trigger us, number one. Yes. Like, yes. we don't, I don't need to see it. I don't need to see Ryan Gosling in that, like the, what, the, there was that the one guy thing, who was dressed in the, like the Native American war the bonnet. Buffalo. Yeah, 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 like we don't need to. See, I don't need to see that. I don't want to see Ryan Gosling like that. Although the fur thing he was wearing did remind me of the that. fur was a little bit like it. It kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. I think they didn't want to go too far down that that like rabbit hole because like you know I not that they care because they could do whatever they want. But I think you know the anti man claims were going to happen no matter what. But like why feed it? too much you know what i mean yeah. i think if they went too far down that path it would have maybe uh it would have been over yeah but on a more positive like yeah. thing that tara said uh tara wouldn't you say that you could see that movie becoming a musical yeah i mean there yeah. weren't as many like in let's say in-house songs you had i'm just mm -hmm. ken you had push and you had lizzo's song which was sort you know mm -hmm. sort of acknowledging things that were happening in the movie the first time no and then the second time she wakes up and there are these little meta like oh girl like your breath stinks like yeah. that kind of thing um yeah. yeah i i think that warner brothers probably would not have allowed mattel would not have allowed a really full like insurrection type moment where it was getting yeah. too political yeah, yeah. Because, hi, we don't want our offices blown up. Hi, we don't yeah. want a much bigger boycott. Like, hi, we do want people yeah, to yeah, come yeah. see this. There were a number of reasons, but I think they let a smart viewer fill in the blank. Yeah. Which is yeah. a good way to do storytelling. There was a lot about this movie yeah. that wasn't subtle, whether it was the yeah. color and 
the visual that was not subtle, but then yes. also the messages we were receiving because you have yes. to navigate a balance between addressing you and I in our thirties and forties and mm -hmm. also talking to the 12 year old girl that was brought to this movie or even the yes. six year old girl who saw this movie. You really needed to kind of hit everybody. Yeah. I think they did a good job with that, but you know, there's something to reward a smart viewer who can just make the connection without it being like, and we're calling it the Kensurrection in the movie. You know? <laughs> but I'll still yeah. take that T-shirt. But I can. But the movie in general, I could totally see it becoming a musical. I think so too. Like, yeah, I think they the could expand it. The set design, the dance numbers, yeah, like, all that. Yeah, I think that, that would be so awesome if they turned it into a musical. Like, was it? There's a Legally Blonde musical. Yes, there is. There, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's anything's possible with stuff like that. Or they might even take this movie and you know, decide to make a musical, the Barbie musical, but they might tell a different story. Mm, yeah. You know, it might be, they might now seeing that Barbie is becoming popular again because of this movie, they might say, oh, you know what? Let's tell a different story, but get a really meta and creative team yeah, to come yeah. in and tell something fresh and exciting. Um, yeah, I'd be open to seeing it. Obviously, if you told me this movie is being made into a musical, I'd say, of course, you know, I'd, I live in New York. I will be seated. I would be excited to see who they cast. Uh, also, something I would love to ask you too about is like who you wish was also in this. Well, movie. I mean, I already said Paul Rudd. He he would be so great in this. Yeah, it doesn't have to be instead of either. It could just be like who do you wish they had found? Matthew movie? McConaughey. That he he would be awesome, especially with yes. oh, especially yeah. with Beach. You know, like like that could be like the ultimate beach guy for Ken yes. to meet in the uh, in the real world. He could have like gotten to uh, gotten to the beach and been like, "Oh, I, I'm not needed here because Matthew McConaughey is already there." And then Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce! Beyonce would be I mean, a great come on! Yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like that could have been a fun three second cameo with like President Barbie, and it's like Beyonce as the Secretary of Labor yes. or something, and you're like, "Oh, okay, this is perfect." Yes. Yeah, I yeah, love that. Absolutely. Well, I'll go to another puzzle piece. Um, I'm actually going to combine a couple uh, yeah. because they're similar in tone. Uh, I'm going Anchorman and Zoolander. Uh -huh. um, you know, with Anchorman, I mean, of course, you've got Will Ferrell, but you've got like, once we get to the real world, we're, we're finding out about all these like ridiculous guys that are just men that fail their way upwards. And they're all just like, you know, idiots and ridiculous, but in these positions of power and all the women are just, you know, subservient to them and everything. And of course that's what Ken sees and is like, like, Oh wow, this is something. Uh, but, but then also a Zoolander, all the Kens are basically just like Derek Zoolander's buddies, his, his roommates, his male model roommates, like, when they're going out for gas and, oh. you know, the mocha frappuccino. What is the line? I know you love oh, that Orange line. mocha frappuccino. <laughs> that's that's the Ken's right there. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you get a little bit of both of those two things. And speaking of which, Ben Stiller, 10 years ago, this he would probably be in this movie. That's another uh, another cameo that would have worked. Yeah. I would say he is the Kennergy, if you will. Yes. yes. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, just I, those combined with my last puzzle piece of Wet Hot American Summer, I mean, you could see why I like this movie. It's like right yeah. down my my irreverent yeah. comedy point of view, you know? Totally. Kara, who would you have casted in this film? Yeah, um, my number one, and I, I thought Michael Sarah was great, so it's not like I wouldn't have wanted him in this, but if they were casting someone else for Alan, I would have said my number one boy, Skylar Gazzondo. Uh, Skylar Gazzondo is in The Righteous Gemstones. He was in Booksmart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. The Sun. Uh, he was in Santa oh, Clarita God, Diet, yes. which is how I learned about him. The two kids from Santa Clarita Diet, you have Skylar Gazzondo and you have Liv Hewson. Liv Hewson is now on Yellow Jackets. They are an incredible actor. I love them. And you have Skylar, who is so funny he was in licorice pizza the a lot of um i see it mm -hmm. a lot on twitter but his little screen cap of him going uh beyond beyond you know like on the plane he's just he's excellent he absolutely has the stupid stupid kenergy needed there's a big thing right now where people he just, totally looks like yeah i had said he could have been midge i was like honestly they did not use emerald Fennel very much at all i was like put a wig on that man yes he would have chewed the plastic scenery yes. i know he would have him and michael sarah honestly would have been like a cute little pair i'm into it 
But yeah, Skylar Gazanto, there's a new trend on Twitter now where people just post the same picture of him and they're like, you know, this guy would blah, blah, blah. So one of my recent favorites was, you know, this guy would, if he was a waiter, he would be approaching the table and putting the check in front of the baby every time. Like in the way of like, oh, guess who's getting the bill? And like everybody would love it and tip him 30%. Like he's just got this like sweet, dumb energy. Um, Apparently he's seen these tweets and he really loves them. But he's very much that type. Um, You know, I can think about people where like 15 years ago it would have made sense just based on what they were doing. So like you said, Ben Stiller, 100%. Owen Wilson, 100% could have done this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Now... Mm. He should have been one of the hen- like Will Ferrell's henchmen. Like he, I think he could have worked perfectly in there. Um, Justin Thoreau, who wrote Zoolander, I think would have oh, been yeah. great in this. Love him. Paul Rudd, obviously. Steve Carell, obviously, to me, sure. could have done something really stupid with this. In terms of women, I don't know if there were any women where I was like, oh, I really wish that this person had been in it. Um, it seems weird that they didn't get Taylor Swift at all to be on the soundtrack or to be in the movie. Uh, kind of surprised, especially because Haim is on the soundtrack and Taylor Swift and Haim are very good friends. Uh, that was kind of surprising, but they might've been like, oh, this is almost too big. And then with Margot being the stereotypical Barbie, they might've actually just wanted to avoid more blondes. Could be. Yeah. That's a very good possibility. You know, since you brought up Righteous Gemstones, which is like one of our favorite shows ever. um, I what about if uh, Ruth Handler, a younger Ruth Handler would have been played by Edie Patterson. Edie Patterson (laughs) is the absolute best. She can do anything. So Edie's Edie's amazing. My my friend Jason, I'm going to put him on. I'm going to put him on blast right now. My friend Jason's like number one crush in this life is Edie Patterson. So every time I hear about Edie, I think of Jason. Um, She's so funny. It's amazing that she has not been like doing everything that Amy Schumer has gotten cast in over the last year. Like, you know, you look at it and you're like, she should be doing all of this stuff and she should be she should have been on like five tv shows by now like it it's really amazing how lived in she is as an actor um when we have not seen her in as much um adam adam divine could have totally been in this movie very easily oh yeah i think like i think danny mcbride could have been in this it i don't know where it's just do the whole righteous gemstones family (laughs) Yeah, that's fine with me. You could get Jennifer Nettles to do something on the soundtrack. Um, and then who was I just yes. going to say who would have been? Per- I was just thinking about someone, I think another HBO person who would have been perfect. But um, oh, there are a lot of people who have the Kennergy. It really comes down to like, who's got that Kennergy? And who you feel like would it get does. The, the wink wink of it. But yeah, yeah. I, I think the female cast is like kind of perfect. And that's why we're like all thinking of just like all these other guys that could have been brought in as extra Ken's. So oh, Ken Marino. Oh, Ken Marino. Come on. Of oh, course. Yeah. The, best. David, Ken Marino. the best. He's oh a Ken already. God. He's literally Ken. He's literally a Ken. Do you two watch the other two? Yes. So we haven't watched the oh, new season yet. We watched the first season of it. Loved it. Oh my God. There is a, I'm just going to say this because it still kills me. There is a play in this new season. And it's Eight Gay Men with AIDS. That's the name of the play. I'm not really spoiling anything. (laughs) And it becomes this like set piece for the episode. And like an ex of mine that I am in touch with was working on the show. And he was like, do you want any props from the show? They're like getting rid of everything. And I was like, I don't know. Like, you know, I was like, and he, one of the things he sent me, because he was just sending me ridiculous stuff in like photos was the Eight Gay Men with AIDS poster and i was like watch this is going to be the most important thing of the scene but like where am i going to put this i was like it's probably going to be super important because of course you sent it to me and it's stupid and it turns out to be like the best episode i think it's the one that got emmy nominated like it's and so i was like of course i turned down the most important most iconic prop i could have turned down from the show but um amazing yeah if you guys at home don't watch the other two ken marino is is a masterpiece. He's the best. Every single little stupid yeah. line and face he does on that show is a goddamn masterpiece. Absolutely. But yeah, Ken Marino <laughs> has the Kennergy. Did you watch Flaming Love? Wasn't that incredible? Flaming uh, Love. Burning yeah. Love. Burning Love. Yeah. Burning love. There, wait, ain't got time for love. <laughs> ain't got time for you. I, that gets stuck in my head. <laughs> 
all the time. <laughs> I have a uh, part of my newsletter that's called Intrusive Thoughts with Tara, where it's just those little things that get stuck in your head. And I have a list running and that's one of them. Hell so yeah. awesome. I've seen Burning Love. This Amazing. is a big June Diane Raphael standing household. So oh, yes, awesome. I have. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's do one more puzzle piece each and then we'll wrap it right. up. Gina, what do you got Mine's next? a really quick one. It's J-Lo. J-Lo, uh, dozens of boyfriends and husbands that couldn't handle being with a successful, powerful woman. Oh, all right. <laughs> and that's Barbie right there with Ken. <laughs> that is Barbie and her Kens. Absolutely. I love that. That's awesome. And J-Lo having a moment the last few years. I mean, ever, ever since Hustlers, I mean, she is like bigger than ever right now. So, I mean, for sure. And there's a lot of women in Hollywood that are in the entertainment industry that are like J-Lo that have had that experience where they just. I mean, I know now she's with, back with Ben Affleck, but they have a history of just not having the best relationships because the men just can't handle having a woman that's more successful than them. Yeah. Living in that, living in that line, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? The shadow of them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Ben Affleck seems to be perfectly happy with it, though. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have next, Tara? My last puzzle piece is Toy Story 2. Number one, you're dealing with toys. Intellectual property, business, great. But there is that scene where you have Jessie, the cowgirl, and she's you know being played with by her human, and then she gets neglected for new toys. And it's one of the saddest things you'll ever watch in your life. And it's, you know, it's this beautiful song playing over it. Um, and as much as the Barbie um the Barbie montage where Barbie sees humans and humanity, and it's all clips that Greta was sent by different crew and cast members on the project. It's not sad. It's a beautiful thing. It's just, I feel like I don't get a lot of those beautiful cinematic moments of being a woman in some way, good or bad. You know, mm. you can get like schmaltzy, like, oh, like me and my sisters and that kind of thing. but. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's toys and there is that abandonment that Barbie feels by Sasha when Sasha tells her off and makes her cry. And then that's tied to the abandonment that America Ferreira's character feels when her daughter pushes her away and, you know, and she's growing up. And yeah. yeah. So um, Toy Story 2 made sense for me as one. And then, I don't know, like the sisterhood of the traveling pants. You know, there's there's one more oh, yeah. for you. Um, clothes and togetherness and America Ferrera. Yes. She's in both. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. She is. Yeah. So absolutely. She was so great in Barbie. Yeah. I loved her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She was so good. And by the way, speaking of the music in Toy Story 2, uh, this household here has been singing Push just nonstop for like the last three days. We've also been calling our dog Ken and our three girl cats Barbie. Yeah. Like, are you saying like "Hi, Barbie" when they walk in the yeah. room? Yeah, I'll we'll be like, I'll be like, can you please get Ken to stop barking? Or is Ken begging for snacks again? Or oh, hi Barbie, hi Barbie, and hi Barbie. <laughs> yeah, and, oh, we have look, three cats. Or, so yeah, three, or oh, look yeah. at Barbie bathing in the sunlight over there. <laughs> oh, <Things like> <laughs> oh yeah. we had a lot Absolutely. of hi Barbies when I went to see it. You know, people just walking past each other. Hi yes. Barbie. Hi Barbie. Yeah. Um, yes. we had a big pop, as Matt would say, because pop is like the wrestling term. Uh, when mm. America Ferrera gave her big speech, our audience was just like, yes, like that famous oh. moment of Meryl Streep and Jennifer Lopez like cheering at the Oscars. Um, it was that we had that nice. was a big pop. So, yeah, everybody at, in our audience loved America Ferreira. So you guys Absolutely. saw it. You saw it at the movie theater. Did you have oh, yeah. any fun like reactions from the audience? Like what were the big popular moments? The BBC Pride and Prejudice mentioned for us, the girls in our crowd went crazy. I think the ending, like that, the gynecologist, yeah, was probably the biggest yeah. laugh. But I mean, there, there was all like it was throughout a, the movie. It was a pretty was wild. laughing, and yeah. I mean, we were laughing, and I like throughout the whole movie. And the guy next to us, I think he was getting annoyed with how much yeah. we were laughing. That dude, I think, thought this was very anti-man. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> but, I had a feeling, like I had, I got the sense that he shouldn't have actually been at that movie, but whatever. probably. But but I will say, G Gina's outfit got a lot of uh, response on, on the walk in and out of the movie. What did you wear? I wore a hot. Well, like a fuchsia hot pink 
wig and then little red heart sunglasses and then like a like a magenta wig and magenta e outfit. Oh, cute. Okay. And like silver glittery heels. Dave, send awesome. me send me a photo. You have my. Name. I will do. And that. then Dave see. and then Dave had his. Jufro. Yeah, but the, I had but a blonde, blonde Junfro. Yeah, it was Jufro. a blonde one. Yeah. So, for <laughs> yeah. Wait, you were blonde? Yeah, I well, I I uh, had a wig. It was the last, oh. the last. I wanted a more Ken like wig, but it was the last yeah, blonde wig available. All the trad available, Ken so. wigs were sold <laughs> no, out at Party City. No. Yeah, Party City. Yeah, probably like those employees were probably like smoking cigarettes when you came inside. Like, I never want to think about Barbie again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you dress movie. up for it too? Yes, I did. So I did. A oh very, yeah, you said you were a blonde. Did I tradition. yeah, I didn't do a wig. I was like, I'm gonna be a brunette Barbie. Too damn bad. No. But I did have a pink sequin dress that looks very much like one of the legally blonde outfits i honestly had like 10 options and now i wear mm. black off black and <laughs> metallic black like that's about all i wear so i was buying things because i was like my, my birthday was yesterday the 22nd oh happy birthday thank happy you birthday. so barbie was part of my birthday weekend so i was like oh, if i'm if i'm doing this for my birthday i gotta look good so i had yeah. a couple of outfits but I, I like the one that i wound up wearing and i got barbie um earrings they were like little hearts with uh little crystals and then big heart hoops and it's barbie in the barbie script and uh, i got a little cheap pack of barbie rings from aldo like one has the barbie you know, script writing. One is a big pink diamond heart. So I, I had little accessory moments too, but yeah. I'll just say it. real quick before I go on to my final piece and we mm -hmm. wrap it up, um, you know, this movie as well as Oppenheimer, Barbenheimer weekend, uh, we had a huge box office weekend. Yes. Uh, people should be dressing up for the movies more often. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was just such a fun weekend at the movies. You don't need to tell my ass. I dress up for everything. <laughs> I, you know, if if folks after this go look at my Instagram, you're like, oh, she wears themed outfits to concerts. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Life is short. I always mm -hmm. say I want to be Isadora Duncan without the scarves. Um, I want to be that very flamboyant person like strolling I love around it. In, in caftans, like a slutty Mrs. Roper. I want to be wearing ridiculous leather nonsense to metal concerts. Like, it's fun to dress up. If you want to do that, if you want to do it with your friends, if you want to do it with yourself and find people who are like you, dress up. Life is short. Don't worry if people Absolutely. are looking at you. Maybe they're looking yeah. at you and admiring you, and that's why they're staring at you. So wear Absolutely. what you want and dress up and make it fun. There yeah. you go. And ho hopefully someday we can do that with you in person. Yeah, <laughs> yes. definitely. Oh, thousand yeah. percent. We'll coordinate just to like go yes. to brunch. We'll pick a theme. It's yeah. fine. Yes. Let's yes. do it. Let's do it. My last puzzle piece, speaking of ridiculousness and costumes and all that stuff, I'm going with Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> oh, so good. Yes. Yeah, you never saw that, no, did you? <gasps> this came out like right after the pandemic. Oh, and great. like it, it, it stars uh, Kristen Wiig and Annie Mamello. Yes. Uh, and it's just this bizarre, ridiculous, very like irreverent, weird beach based comedy. Mm -hmm. And uh, everything just is cranked up to like 11, like just the nonsense, the costumes, the, the cameos, the characters, it's just so silly. And also I, I could have swore Kate McKinnon was in it. Um, she's so funny here as weird Barbie. She like, would have, she would have been at home in this movie, like th that same kind of humor that she is, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's totally ridiculous beginning to end. And we should watch it one of these days. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I uh, I saw something on Twitter. I'm not sure if it's true, but, you know, or if that's the choice behind it. But when you see Kate McKinnon in the beginning, she looks like a Barbie that has been played with, you know, like she's got streaks in her hair and the dress is like a weird dress that looks like maybe a kid made it. And then when the patriarchy invades, she all of a sudden has this militaristic look. And someone on Twitter had the opinion that, oh, that's what someone who isn't sexualized or isn't catering towards a male gaze would be envisioned as by these men, like a, like a militaristic lesbian. Yes. Mm -hmm. So all yeah. of a sudden yeah. she's got like the, a feminazi. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. Like she's got the strap of bullets across her shoulder. Like mm -hmm. she all of a sudden turned into this sort of 80s looking like, um, what is that movie? The um, what you call it? The Billy Jean movie, David. I know you know what I'm talking about. The Legend of Billy Jean. I I, I think that sounds right, but it's I'm really not look. sure. Like the yeah. you know, like instead of it just being like, oh, we're wearing t-shirts and jeans to fight, it's like, oh, we've got these like leather zip-up cat suits and bright crazy colors. But <laughs> yeah, nice. so I thought that was a fun possible costuming decision that they made. 
Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, I think that does it for Barbie. Uh, we got a lot of like stuff in there through all these puzzle pieces. I mean, we, we t I'll just read down the list real quick. We talked about Legally Blonde, Josie and the Pussycats, The Matrix Resurrections, Pinocchio and Hook, Spice World, Mafia Mama, Gremlins 2, The January 6th Insurrection, Anchorman, <laughs> Zoolander, J-Lo herself, Toy Story 2, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, and Barb and Mar go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, yeah, just a lot of comedy, a lot of just really kind of crazy stuff like throughout mm -hmm. these puzzle pieces i gotta say also gene Tornan uh, has the kennergy in barb and star oh for sure jamie dornan would be another one who would fit in this movie and you wouldn't sure. expect because you see him in like the that um the fall that bbc show with gillian anderson like he does dark stuff even 50 shades sure. is darker he was so goddamn he absolutely is like prototypical ken in barb and star he's so funny in that um yeah, I, I don't know. I think we got into a lot of good stuff here. I think that's a really good place to wrap it up. Uh, Tara, tell people where they can find you. Hi, guys. Uh, so I am Sweaty Lamar, like Hetty Lamar on Instagram and Twitter. If you are my family members, please don't go on Twitter. That's where I'm unhinged. Uh, I have music out, which is streaming everywhere and also uh, sweatylamarmusic.bandcamp.com. The thing I've been doing right now that I'm really, really passionate about is I started a Substack. Um, it is XOXO Gossip G and Caspro. <laughs> so it's Tara G and Caspro.substack.com. David, I sincerely hope you were typing this out for people in the episode notes because, you know, my last name is like vowels galore i'm a professional <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i've been doing a sub stack where i talk about pop culture i write some personal essays i i basically do what i've been doing here which is being loud and annoying about things that i love and that get me excited uh a lot of stupid little like there's a there's something where i've been including my favorite blooper reels from movies nice the, the most specific niche shit ever. But yeah, the Substack is free to subscribe. You, If you don't know what Substack is, it's a blog that gets sent to your email inbox. So it's basically like a newsletter in a blog style format. Sometimes it's a short post, sometimes it's a longer post. But yeah, it's free. And uh, it's it's really been something that has gotten me excited about writing again after a long awesome. time away. So. That's great. I'm looking forward to checking it out. I always love following you on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I'm going to definitely get subscribed to that. Gina, your first time on the show. Tell people where they can find you. Um, well, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Gina Mazzoni, uh, G-I-N-A, and then M as in Mary, I, Z as in Zebra, Z as in Zebra, O, N as in Nancy, I. That's where I'm the most active. I also have my Gina Mazzoni photography Instagram. So um, yeah. Yeah. Everybody check out <laughs> Gina on Instagram and I'm so glad you are finally on the show and Me Tara, too. I'm glad we got you back on the show and yeah, thanks so much for being here guys. Thank you. Hi, this is Wax Tracks Records here on 2909 South Decada. We buy all your old 45s, your old albums, any type of music memorabilia. Also, we sell music memorabilia, albums, CDs, and a lot. Come on down to Wax Tracks, 2909 South Decada, or give me a call at 702-362-4300. Thank you very much. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Barbie. Thanks to Tara for joining me on that one, and thanks to Gina for finally joining me on an episode of Piecing It Together. Hopefully we'll get her back again sometime soon. And thank you to all of you for being out there listening. If you're enjoying Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And, of course, if you really like the show, rate and review us five stars. It helps make sure the show gets seen by new people getting more listeners and then we'll get to do more awesome stuff with this podcast so thank you for being out there you can also follow us on social media at piecing pod and join our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces and i told you about the patreon at the top of the show so i'm not going to go back into that again but i am going to close this out with a piece of music like i always do and during the episode, we did mention about our three girls here in the house, the three cats that we say hi, Barbie, to constantly. Uh, and of course, our dog, Harvey, who's a Ken now and barked through half the episode. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to play a song from uh, the Pup Pups album. 
uh, about one of the girls. This is a song called Sink Cat about Trudy. And uh, yeah, the album just came out a couple weeks ago. We've got some music videos on the way. It is a ridiculous, silly album of songs about our pets. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. This is Sink Cat. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.